The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hello everyone, welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for Round 9 versus West Coast. Uh, the game is at Saturday Afternoon, although I suppose it's really twilight, about four o'clock at Adelaide Oval this Saturday afternoon. Um, it's a big one, and here to talk about it with me, my name's Portia, and with me is Macca19. How's it going, Macca? What's going on? I am fantastic this evening. I am awesome. What's happening? Feeling really upbeat? I am so upbeat, it's ridiculous at the moment. <laughs> yep, I'm trying absolutely. to stay positive, so I've got this huge bloody smile on my face, and we're just going to be positive all evening. Absolutely. My supplier came through, so I'm on a high. It's great. (laughs) You went to the T2 shop, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got some more Raspberry Rush. It's really good. (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. Well, we'll delay a little bit before we get to the games, um, but we'll just quickly talk about a little hot topic I saw today. Um, Obviously, this has been a pretty terrible year for the Fremantle Dockers, um, and as always seems to happen in the years that the Dockers play terribly, everyone's talking tanking because they do seem to have a bit of a record for it. I think back in the day, it would have been, what, 1999, that they had the Paul Hazelwood game, the famous Paul Hazelwood game, where they needed to lose to secure um, a player they thought was going to be an absolute gun for them, and he was all right. Um, and they ended up getting a Pavlich with the second pick after that, which is a bit frustrating, but there you go. Um, resting Pavlich has been called into question, and Ross Lyons come out now and said that the Dockers are playing their best football. They're not tanking. Um, Maka, what do you think of that? If this is their best football, I'd hate to see what their worst is. <laughs> Quite simply, that's yeah. just ridiculous. I, I can understand resting Pavlich, to be honest, because, look, he yeah. is an old man, um, and he's pretty much carrying that forward line by himself. So mm. I can understand them resting him uh, just so he sort of gets through the season. Uh, but I wonder just how much he's sort of ruining the decision to go another year at the moment. Yeah, look, I'd have to agree. I mean, it was pretty, I think it was pretty obvious to everyone that he really stayed on because he thought finals were on the line, you know, mm-hmm. um, in particular after McCarthy pulled out of the trade or wasn't able to make the trade, I should say. Yeah. Um, that really would have been like, oh, I've got to hang around another year, but oh gosh, why did he bother in some ways, you know? Yeah. Well, who, who could have predicted this? I mean, no, no one yeah. in their right mind would have predicted Frio to be zero and eight. It's pretty unusual, but those Western Australian teams, when they fall, they fall hard. I do. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why. It, it has to. I mean, really, there's no reason for it that it can happen apart from the fact it must be an intentional thing. I don't know. Is the flight really that big a deal? It's hard to say. I mean, I guess <laughs> with them, you, you kind of think, well, right, next week we're going to turn it around, and next mm. week we're going to turn it around, and suddenly you're 0 and 8. So, yeah, true. Well, I've got no doubt they're going to play for uh, the number one pick right about now because look, mm. they've, they've got a local boy in um, San Petrescu, Seton, who's. Ah. quite possibly going to go number one or, or if not number one then number two yeah. uh, so I would be thinking that they're going to make sure that they get him this year yeah that makes sense um, and to be fair they have got a bit of uh, injury to their key players they've got five missing uh, Sandilands and Michael Johnson out long term and now Bennell uh, Harley Bennell's out for the season with his calf mm. injury which is apparently messed up so yeah, you've got to look out for those drug related calf injuries so oh, <laughs> did, I, did I say that out loud <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's the good thing about um, Travis Spoke not being injured is that we know he's not doing drugs because if he was, he'd have a calf injury too. So he's, yeah, we know that's not the problem. Yeah, well, um, what a disaster that's been for them. I mean, they would have thought uh, they were getting an absolute peach in, in Harley Bennell and 
turned out to be a, a bit of a disaster there as well at the moment. So, yeah, nothing has really gone right for Frio all year. I kind of feel like the Bennell one was always a bit of a toss-up, like just a higher-stakes high gamble, like what we did with Nathan Cracker to some mm. in some respect. Like it was always going to be like a success or a big failure. Um, I guess oh, he's a, a huge talent. Middle ground as you get. He's a huge talent. But it's a it massive about... talent, a great player when he's at his best. Um, I mean, I know his, uh, his mother was very uneasy about him coming back home mm, mm. because he fall into the wrong crowd again and every time he went back home he'd sort of uh, play up a little bit um so I guess it yeah I mean it hasn't really worked out for them at the moment but um yeah who knows maybe uh, 2017 will be their year yeah well I guess we'll see um and maybe with a different head coach <laughs> they can get their best football out of them but um, yeah you reckon yeah. they'll change coaches uh, who knows? If, um, if we go by St- the Ross Lyon at St Kilda record, it's also possible that Ross Lyon's already got Lowe's talking to someone, so who knows? <laughs> Very true. Look, it could happen, but I'm, I mean, he's been pretty positive about how he wants to stick around and uh, and build a side at the moment, so it will certainly yeah. be interesting to see if that happens or not. Well, I mean, I guess I'd kind of, if if I'm being conspiracy theorish, theory is it not a word, is it? Anyway. Um, Close enough. I'd say that right now the lawyers are talking to the Gold Coast Suns because yeah. that would pull up a lot of their problems. It would give them an offensive game so then it gets smashed by 100 and something points every week. Um, they know he can do it with teams that aren't travelling well. Um, he's basically an upgrade on Rodney Ede by about 15 years of coaching uh, knowledge, really, and strategy. Mm. So that could, uh, that, could be a, that, that could be what's happening. I would not be surprised. Yeah, I was trying to think of uh, who might have a coach available at the end of the year, and yeah, I guess that might happen with Gold Coast and, and Rodney E. That's uh, that's mm-hmm. certainly a possibility. But um, can they afford to sort of get rid of um, Rodney? Will the AFL sort of bankroll that? I'm not sure how much longer he's got on his contract, but you'd think he'd be on pretty big money. I'd be astounded if the AFL didn't bankroll that. Mm. They, well, Queensland football is in such a dire state right now; it's kind of hard to do half measures, particularly with the new team who is more vulnerable. Um, yeah. yeah. It's tricky, tricky, but there you go. That's it. Well, look, before uh, we move on um, yeah. and talk about uh, the first time we met, um, something you're missing from the hot topics, and that's Jared Ruffett. I think we deserve to yeah. talk about him this week as well. True. So certainly all, all our thoughts are with him and his family and um, mm. looks like he's going to go through a pretty tough time. Yeah, no, it's, um, that's really awful news, isn't it? Um what can you say? Look, this it can happen to anyone in a lot of ways. Uh, and I guess it comes down to footballers not being able to do what they used to do and sort of, you know, get big tans and all that sort of stuff. They have to really watch out more than they do. Um, is it time that we start encouraging all footballers to wear long sleeve Guernseys, for example? Um, you know, that's only going to get... If, if global warming's happening, tinfoil hat time, if global warming's happening, da-da-da, then that could get a lot worse every season. Um getting melanomas and the like, so it's hard oh, to know. Yeah. Mm. Well, look, I guess uh, being a ranger, he was probably pretty high risk as well. So, true, true. Um, that's probably up there, but no, it uh, sounds a bad time. And, you know, when you start talking about uh, stage three or four uh, cancer, which uh, mm. this quite possibly could be, then you're, yeah. you're starting to uh, be a little bit concerned, I think. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's really unfortunate, but it's something I guess that, being an elite athlete doesn't even get you away from um, is that mm. cancer risk. Um, That's it. Pretty bad. But... Yes. Well, thanks for bringing it down, Macca. Oh, look. oh sorry. Yeah, positive. <laughs> Upbeat. Yes. All right. Let's move well, on. 
let's let's be positive about the first time they met. So we're talking about obviously the twentieth season games for Port Adelaide. Uh, we are in that twentieth season, and some of them were really great, and some of them were just kind of ordinary. And we're going to talk about round fifteen, the thirteenth of July in nineteen ninety seven at Subiaco when we played West Coast for the first time. Uh, a quick game summary: basically, West Coast twelve goals, thirteen eighty five, defeated Port nine goals, thirteen sixty seven, total margin of eighteen points. Um, we were up by two points at half time at Subiaco, which would have seemed pretty amazing um, given the the raps that were on us that year, but we just couldn't hang on. Um, Cummings and Wanganin kicked three goals each, which um, was a warm up for two weeks later when they outscored Essendon between them, which was very enjoyable. Um, Wangers topped our disposals, uh, 24 and three goals. Primus, six marks, which is pretty good for a Ruckman and pretty good for Primus at that time. And Franco, 20 disposals and a goal, but weirdly no marks, so he probably got a lot of clearances from the ball ups. Um, Brownlow votes Gavin Wanganine, Dean Kemp, who really racked up the disposals and got a goal, and Michael Gardner, who early on in his career, I think it was his first season in the AFL, he got 11 hitouts, 14 disposals, 6 marks and 3 goals. So that was a good display first up for Ruckman yeah. against what for us became a very challenging Ruck unit. Um, Maka, do you yeah. remember that game much at all? I do, I do. Uh, I've got to admit, when I saw that on the run sheet, I thought, oh, God, I've got to think back to that one. Do I? But, uh, yeah, it's slowly started to creep back. And I, I remember it being a wet game. It was one of those um, those wet ones in the middle of winter. Um, mm. It was a very tight game. It could have gone either way. Um, you mentioned Michael Gardner, and, look, he was in his second game. Um, mm. And we talk about, uh, you know, spuds that tear us apart or, you know, rookies having their breakout game. And, you know, th- that was really probably born with this game uh, because he came on um, with not much left in the third quarter. I think there was about five minutes left in the third quarter. We were up by eight points at that stage. Hmm. Um, Glenn Jakovic got injured. They rearranged their, their team a little bit. Gardner ended up going up forward uh, and he really turned the game on its head um, in that final five minutes. He kicked, kicked a couple of goals, um, gave another one off um, and our eight-point lead uh, ended up being an 11-point deficit at three-quarter time and we did threaten to hit the front in the last. I think we kicked the first goal um, at the last quarter, but we just couldn't sort of get over the line. And I think for me um, and, and how close we were to finals that year, um, a lot of people might sort of point to the Brisbane draw where we sort of gave it away late in that yeah. one or maybe even the showdown um, where we were sort of four or five goals up at three-quarter time and, and the Crows came home with a massive uh, breeze. Um, but this was really the one that got away in... And this was the one where you thought, geez, we were right in that game and probably should have won it. Yeah, um, look, there was that huge run towards the end of the year where all we needed was just one win or a draw to get in. And um, even in the last round, I remember distinctly, and it's part of why I hate the Brisbane Lions, uh, during our game in that last round, they were cutting to the Brisbane Lions, watching the game and hoping we'd lose. And of course we lost, um, but they were the ones that made it into the finals that year instead of us. Yeah. It's, it's funny to think that that rivalry started in year one um, yeah, with exactly. Brisbane, but there you go. Yeah. But no, Michael Gardner, eh? I mean, yeah, oh, I yeah. think he only turned 18 that week. Uh, so, yeah, he was the number one pick. He was the one that uh, West Coast sort of manoeuvred players around for us. Well, I think we yeah. got uh, Shane Bond and um, yeah, well, Downsborough. Talk, talk about bringing the podcast down. You had to mention him, didn't you? So. Oh, well, we got Brett Chalmers for him, so I'm not entirely hateful for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Braden Lyle as well, I think, came across as well, and uh, we ended up manipulating it, so they did get uh, the number one pick. And, you know, he looked, being, he looked like being a superstar at that stage. Um, probably mm. didn't really turn out. I think he made the All-Australian team once. Um, and then, obviously, all those uh, sort of issues came in later in his career with knee injuries and, uh, and, uh, and drugs and Ben Cousins and all that sort of stuff. So, 
Uh, yeah. Probably didn't turn out uh, having the career that uh, he thought he might have, I guess. No, um, I suppose, yeah, he had a lot of injury issues. Um, I guess the main thing I really remember from Michael Gardner's career was there was one game in Perth, I think, and the Western Bulldogs, it has to have been 97 or 98, they went over and they absolutely roughed him up. Like They had players constantly knocking him down, giving him jumper punches and everything else, and there was just yeah. a huge outcry about that. And I think about three or four years later, West Coast did it in return. So yeah. um, it's no, funny, how, was, funny how that it turns. That was turns. the last round. I think pretty sure that was the last round of 97, oh, just before the finals and... Uh, yeah. Steve Krediuk uh, giving him jumper punches and oh, Krediuk, yeah. All that. And then he decided to do the same to Pavlich in that uh, in the famous derby, I guess you'd call it, <laughs> where uh, there was all those fights and Dale Kickett went bananas and got suspended for ten weeks or whatever it was. But ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, that was a fun time, wasn't it? <laughs> fun time to be alive. That's right. I think this was uh, also notable um, as being Stuart G's first game. Uh, that was his first game. Oh, he only oh. had the three touches, uh, but that was okay. his debut. Only game he played in 1997. There we go. Um, and look, I was going to actually talk about the first time West Coast played in Adelaide in 1998, but um, I don't know. Do you remember anything about that match, Macca? Do not bring up that game. I'm still filthy oh. about that game. That was ridiculous. Really? What was, what was so bad about it? A, a number of things. I think we, we, speak, we spoke last week about the umpires having a, an effect on the game and you know where we robbed and you know, all that sort of stuff. I think this was the first game in the AFL where I thought we were absolutely screwed by the umpires in this one. This started my hatred of guys like bloody uh, Derek Humphrey-Smith and, and all those sorts of guys. Um, I, I just thought we got absolutely killed uh, by the umpires in this game. I remember the... It was the loudest booze I'd ever heard at a footy game at that point in time as they came off the ground after the siren. Um, I guess one of those things you, you remember from that game is Ben Cousins uh, kicking to the man on the mark, following it up and kicking that. the winner uh, with about five minutes left. Uh, I think Daryl Poole took a mark on the boundary line um, with about 10 seconds left and, and hit the post, um, which would have been the winner, which yep. was disappointing. Um, but it also was uh, was home to the dumbest thing I've ever seen on a footy field uh, by Donald Dickey, who, who took a mark, um, uh, I guess, on the defensive 50. He had Bowen Lockwood 50 metres on his own on the forward 50. All he had to do was run, take one bounce, kick it to him. He ended up um, sort of jogging off, kept bouncing the ball. He had about four or five bounces, didn't really go all that far while Bowen Lockwood's there you know, doing star jumps, trying to get him to kick the ball to him. And he ended up getting run down, holding the ball. And, oh, I could have run onto the field and knocked him out at that point. <laughs> Look, I mean, that's a really Donald big... Donald Dickey, the most frustrating player that's ever played for Port Adelaide, I reckon. That's, that's a really big call, Macca, because, I mean, you know, that was 1998, and we've played a lot of stupid football since then. <laughs> um, so for you to name that as the all-time... Look, I reckon there'd be a few that would challenge it, definitely, for sure. Well, look, there's, there's the Cam O'Shea game from last week. There's the <laughs> Cam O'Shea-Sydney game. There's Stewie Jew's kick-in against Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. And there's yep. Donald Dickey <laughs> in this game. I reckon there might be. I can't think of an individual occasion, but I know that the Peter Burgoyne um, way of playing games is one week you start off okay, second week you get really good, third week you get really, really good, and the fourth week you get that little bit too far and you get caught doing something completely stupid. I reckon there would be a couple mm. of Peter Burgoyne mentions in that list somewhere. Yep, Excellent player, fair. but he had those low lows as well. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, look, that was... Continuing not... this positive note. <laughs> hey, you were positive. It set a record for a terrible play. 
Um, now we'll move on to, I guess, the more recent thing in our memories, the last time they met, which was uh, around six oh, last year. Or oh, positivity, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what yes. a game that was. Oh, yeah. 10th of May 2015, Adelaide Oval, West Coast 1, uh, 11 goals, 12.78 to Port, 10 goals, 8.68. So 10 point win there. Um, we really were kind of torn apart by Nick Nardinui in some ways. He got 30 hitouts, and Callum Sinclair got a bunch of hitouts too against Lobby and Ryder in combination. I think between them they got less than Nick Nat by himself. Um, yeah, what do you remember about that game? Because I, I have only bad memories. Yeah, I remember Brendan Archie's monster handball. That's, uh, ah, that's probably the one thing to take out of it. And Hamish true. Hartlett hitting the post, and they were going to call it a goal, but he told the truth and said it hit the post, so they reversed it. Um, and I just remember us being up by quite a bit at half time and just uh, not following through in the second half. And you know, it was the beginning of the end for 2015. Uh, and I guess the other thing I remember is Jasper Pittard, who, uh, who speaking of stupid plays, he, uh, I think he could have passed off to Ryder with about a minute left, um, who was free on his own about 40 metres out from goal. Uh, decided to try and uh, run around the man on the mark, do a torpedo into the fifty, and kicked it out on the full. I think so. That was uh, that was that was really really stupid as well. But uh, yeah, this was the beginning of the end, I guess, for two thousand and fifteen. Yeah, it's kind of sad when you look at round six as being the beginning of the end. But I guess we kind of can do that for this year as well, about the same time. Yeah. Um, it's it's not good having seasons over, feeling over so early, is it? It's uh, getting to be a bit of a habit now, but. Oh, yeah, we did the hard work in getting over uh, North uh, Hawthorne and, and the Crows, and you yeah. know we all thought the draw was going to open up after this. And mm. at halftime, we were sitting pretty and probably weren't playing well, but uh, didn't matter because we were three goals up. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, just all downhill from there. Oh dear. Um, just in Brownlow votes, Matt Prittis came away with three, Robbie Gary two, and Mark Lacroix came away with one, and they're all statistically they're right at the top of their lists. Um, Luke Shuey screwed over there, I think. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, the interesting thing about this game, um, by interesting I mean terrible, is that in the second half Port only kicked 20 points. Like they were held to not much at all. Um, yeah. We just really fell away completely in that second half and that's really not great. I don't think it was because there was extra pressure placed. I think they just sort of dropped their bundle. Um, and I think it ties into yeah, what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those games where we just peppered the inside 50s um, in the last quarter. I remember the, la- the first 10 minutes, I reckon we must have had... 10 or 12 inside 50s um, mm. in that time and just couldn't get anything going at all. Yeah, no. Um, it wasn't really a great game, but there you go. Um, mm. Another interesting little stat. Matt Prittis had 25 handballs in this game, nine clearances and 31 disposals. But what that means is that he had as many handballs as any port player had possessions. Um, that's quite unheard of, that amount of giving it off by hand. You'd think that eventually, I mean, I guess the reason why it doesn't normally happen is because people go, oh, he's going to handball. Uh, I guess we didn't do that, so. <laughs> don't True. Know. That's, but that's an unusual little stat there. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, look, that was a really upbeat review. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to this week versus West Coast. Yes. Um, yeah. We got the selections in, and wow, what big changes this week? Um, Robbie Gray is back, and he comes in for Brendan Archie, and then there's a huge number of other changes that didn't happen. Um, Maka, what do you think about that? Look, when you have a really disappointing uh, start to the season, I guess, like we have, and, and you lose to a team like Carlton, what you want to do is swing the axe, and the axe has been swung this week. Brennan Archie, get out. Get out That's of right. Here. Robbie Gray's back. He's yep. going to solve all our issues, uh, just like he did last year. 
Yeah. And uh, I guess that's the only change you need, isn't it? Look, I mean, there's no doubt that um, 80% of Robbie Gray is worth 100% of any other player in our side. <laughs> um, Look, at sorry. this point, I think 10% of Robbie Gray is worth about 100% <laughs> of probably about five or six players that will play this week. So, Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just had a. We did have one question, which I'm not going to answer as a question because I'll bring it up here, which was from Glitch01, saying, why do we have more tools on the emergency bench than we do on the side? Which is not right, but it's close. Um, I thought Glitchy. it was a good, good comment. Um, Glitchy. Come on, you should know that. You should know that. <laughs> we don't want tools at Port Adelaide. We don't need them. Nah. No, not against a tall side like West Coast. No, never. <laughs> Um, the bench. Well, look, to be honest, be- being serious for a minute, I actually think we might see Logan Austin uh, be a late inclusion. Oh, who for? I'm not sure yet. I'm not too sure, but it would make sense to me. I mean, coming up against Josh Kennedy, I know he's uh, he hasn't flown over. There's a chance he might not play because his his partner's um, having a baby. But if he does play, then you've got Darling. You've also got Lysett up there as well. It would make sense for me to have another tall defender out there. I'm not too confident going in with just Homsch and Jonas and then uh, relying on O'Shea or, or Stewart to, to man Scott Lysett, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so for me, that's what I'd be doing. Do you think weather might be a factor? Um, it doesn't look like raining, apparently, according to the Bureau of Meteorology at this point, but I suppose it could come in a bit early. It is expected on Sunday. Um, do you think that might be the factor in, like, if we get a bit of rain or a bit of doubt over the rain, we might have one of our guys like um, Amon or Impey or, I suppose, even Cracker drop out? Possible. I mean, it, it is possible. I'm not too sure who I'd take out of the side at this point. Um, I mean, it, it is possible, I guess, but, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see Logan Austin have his debut as well. Yeah, that would be good. And I suppose if you're going to do it, I mean, I guess defender. I don't know. I wonder if there's a stat on this, whether defenders are more likely to start have their first game in a losing side than a winning side. I reckon they probably would. Because usually when you're changing your defenders around, it might mean you've got a point of weakness. But yeah. I don't know. That would be an interesting stat to know, but I'm not going to do it because it would take years. Ah, <laughs> <So. laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So I guess we've got to look at, first of all, what do the um, changes say about our coaching staff? I mean, obviously they're really glad that Robbie's back and he's going to fix everything. Um, I guess the next question is, you know, is it that we have decided that we are completely rooted in the ruck and we're not going to bother trying? Do you think that might be part of it as well? We're just saying, yeah, no, we'll just stick with this and just try and cut off supply. Do you think that might be part of it? Or what else can I'm we take just, out I'm of it? I'm just at a loss, to be honest. I don't understand what we're doing. Look, good luck, Jackson Tringove, because mm. you're, you're really going to need it out there. And if ever there was a time to play a second ruck, uh, who's a decent leap, can get his hands on the bowl, it would have been this week, you would have thought, but uh, I guess not. Yeah, a bit awkward. Um, mm. There we go. There is a milestone game this weekend. Um, Aaron Young, against all expectations, is playing his 50th game. Um, he's obviously Young. had a ripper, ripper season so far, and um, yeah, if recent weeks are anything to go by, he's probably going to end up being our best player this week, so um, mm. it'd be nice to do that in a milestone game, but I guess we'll see how that goes. Um He's having a great year, and uh, you know, so I guess it's been a little bit of a long time coming for for Youngy in his fifty games, and you know, he's been in and out of the side. He's the most subbed player of all time, and all this sort of stuff. But uh, you know, it's well deserved. He's uh, he's turned his career around, and you know, good on him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, if we go over to the West Coast squad, um, after absolutely obliterating St Kilda last week, I think St Kilda scored less than thirty points from memory. Um, West Coast have made no changes to their side, which really makes a lot of sense. Um, because if you're in form like that, then why would you why would you make a change unless you absolutely had to? Um, mm. 
what do you think about the West Coast side? They look pretty worrying, really. They're well balanced and informed. Look, it, it's hard to read West Coast. I, I really rate West Coast. I think on paper they've got a fantastic side which has very little holes in it. Um, you look through the list of names and you think, yep, they're a good player, they're a good player. Uh, but they they are just the ultimate flat-track bully. You know, They mm. haven't won away from home in their last six away games since uh, round 16 last year against Collingwood. Um, they just seem to fall over when they're not um, uh, in the familiar surrounds of Subiaco and a lot of those players, which I mentioned, um, are decent players, do end up sort of falling in a hole. Guys like Josh Hill, guys like Elliot Yo, uh, Brad Shepherd, Chris Maston's a classic one as well. Um, they just seem to fall to pieces away from home. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of the advantage of um, Fortress Subi, as they always called it. Mm. Um, but the main de- main thing is for West Coast that to finish top of the ladder or near it or in the top four. You need to win all your home games, but you do need to actually pick up a couple away. And when they've had good seasons, obviously, they've managed to pick up a few. Um, mm. So far, their away games have been against, I think, Hawthorne, Sydney and Geelong two weeks ago, yep. um, who are all pretty formidable at home um, in the form that they're in and the way that they're playing. Um, I guess if I was if I was Adam Simpson at West Coast, I'd be looking at Port Adelaide, Adelaide Oval. In current form, you'd be thinking this is one of the ones we really should win and need to win if we're going to be a top four side. Um, so I think that, and it's also keeping in mind that this is their shortest travel for the year. Like it's the slot, it's the shortest flight they have to make all year, mm. um, apart from the uh, the derby, of course. So I reckon they might have targeted us. I reckon they're going to come out all firing. Frankly, well, no said early. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to start favourites, and and rightfully so. You know, we're not in very good form, and you know when they play well, they they're absolute. They absolutely obliterate sides like they've done with Collingwood. You know, they absolutely smashed St Kilda last week, who oh, were in God. decent form themselves. So it's going to be interesting to see how they how they play. And you'd think we would need to have a, a pretty big start to the first quarter to uh, to sort of stand a chance and maybe put them on the back foot a bit. Yeah, it's it's that first quarter. I think it's going to be another game where you can see if Port are going to win in the first quarter. Realistically, yeah. Um, there we go. <laughs> Uh, all right, so just section by section, I guess we'll start with the rucks because that's a really quick and easy one. Um, this year, Nick Nardinui has had fewer than 30 hitouts only once so far. Uh, he averages over four clearances a game, 14 possessions, and about a goal every two games. Mm. Um, he's gone up against some okay rucks so far. You'd have to say that we're just going to lose this one and move on. <laughs> I don't know. Look, this game clearly comes down to the ruck. Um, mm. Nat Nui's in good form. Lysett's... Um proven to be a pretty good backup for him as well after they lost yeah. Sinclair at the end of last year. Yep. Um, I guess the worrying thing for us is West Coast are number one for hitouts in the league and they're mm. 18th for hitouts against. Uh, so they've got the biggest positive differential in the league. Um, we are 14th for and, and first against, so we've got the biggest negative differential in the league. So I'm not sure what that says and, and whether we're uh, any chance to actually win a hit out at all, um, but it would be good if we could reach double figures. I reckon. I'd, I'd count that as a win. If Trengove gets double-figure uh, hit-outs this week, I'd count that as a win. I I think that if we're going to talk about a win, I guess I'm not even going to think about hit-outs. I'm just going to look at clearances and just yeah. hope that we have more clearances. Uh, and I guess that moves us well, into the I, midfield. But yeah, yeah, I guess the good thing there is that Shuey and Prittis are 6th and 7th in clearances in the league at the moment. So uh, yeah. th- that's one spot where they do struggle, obviously, as well. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, uh, Shu and Prittis both had nine clearances against St Kilda last week, so that's pretty amazing for midfielders. Um, yeah, we, we do have an issue there. 
Um, <laughs> what, tell me, Maker, what's the upside of a midfield battle this week? Oh, look, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be nice weather. Um, yeah. So we should now look. I mean, our, Robbie's back. Robbie is back. Robbie's back. That's the positive. That's right. Robbie. It's all about Robbie. Robbie. Absolutely. And, it doesn't, and it's probably not going to rain. So if you're going to be miserable, at least you won't be miserable and wet. So yeah. that, that's and an look, upside. Look, he's too. now engaged as well. So he'll want to have a big game to, uh, to celebrate that's true. his engagement. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, let's move on to forwards. Um, we've got, uh, I suppose, the main ones to look at there is Matt LaCar and Josh Kennedy, but you can't ignore Jack Darling, obviously. Matt LaCar kicked six last week. Um, as you said previously, Josh Matt Kennedy didn't fly with the players. Um, we have to expect he's going to be able to come along tomorrow, although he might be a bit tired, so maybe there's an advantage there, hopefully. Um, yeah. Away from home, they haven't kicked more than 79 points this year. They've got an average away score of 60 and an average home score of 127, so they love home. Um, and partially that could be to do with the reliance on Mark Lacroix. Well, I don't know. I think those the West Coast have always loved a, a small forward since um, Finals Phil Matera. Oh, Finals um, Phil. Finals Phil. Good old Finals Phil. Oh, yeah, got to go back because he was sort of the origin of all of my criticisms of Brett Ebert. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, how do you feel a matchup against their forward line is? Oh, look, it's going to be a struggle, especially if they get uh, as much of the ball out of the midfield as we're expecting. Um, you know, Jack Darling's in good form. He's, um, you know, he's kicked 18 goals so far this year. Josh Kennedy's kicked 25. I think he had five goals at quarter time last week, Josh Kennedy, and <laughs> didn't kick a goal after that. So, um, look, I'm. I'm trying to take some positives out of that somehow. And Mark Lecrae is sitting on 14 goals for the year. So they do have a, a pretty mean uh, forward line. Josh Hill's a decent um, a decent goal scorer at times as well. He can get loose a little bit. And Jamie Cripps isn't too bad either. So yeah, I guess the, the thing to, to look forward to um, or some sort of positive is that the last two games against Port, uh, Josh Kennedy's kicked two goals eight. So if we can ah. sort of push him towards the boundary like we have been doing in the last couple of games uh, against West uh, West Coast, hopefully you can continue that sort of form and uh, and struggle to hit the target. Well, look, with my positive hat on, I've got to say there's one little factoid there that I really like, which is that you said that Josh Kennedy has been goalless for his last three quarters of football. Mm. So really, he's in terrible form, and we should absolutely annihilate him. Oh, look, he'll kick ten, no doubt. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just, just, say going, that, just, going back, yeah, just going back to the midfield, I mean, that, that's probably where they're obviously going to get the big advantage. I mean, Shuey's yeah. in good form. Um, Matt Prittis is a, an underrated star for someone that's, um, that's won a Brownlow and finished second in a Brownlow last year as well. But Andrew Gaff's the one that's uh, having a massive year at the moment. Um, he had a big year last year, but he's really raised his game again. Um, he's averaging 31 touches a game, over four inside 50, so... Right about now, he's probably the best outside mid in the whole competition. Yeah, look, I agree with you on Matt Prittis. Um, I think that he was pretty um, maligned in his Brownlow year, uh, talked up as the next Shane Wowoden, but the reality is that Shane Wowoden never performed as consistently or even at the at as high a level as Matt Prittis has at his, any, most points in his career, really. Yeah. Um, he's oh, a class above, there's no Prittis doubt. Prittis has been a, a monster uh, in terms of consistency for pretty much his whole career, so yeah, he's certainly uh, nothing like uh, Wowoden, that's for sure. Yeah, and um, the West Coast defence, how do you feel about our chances against them? They uh, only conceded 29 points to St Kilda last week, which probably more to do with the midfield, I think, but that's yeah. still pretty impressive. 
Um, but they did concede 123 points to Geelong the week before. So, I don't know. Who knows? How can you predict their defence? They've, they've got a good defence. Um, they've got good bowl users coming out of there, which is a, a positive for them. Um, I think we might be able to exploit them a little bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the matchups. Um I'm thinking McGovern will probably go to Westhoff and, and try and use that to his advantage um, with his um, intercept marking, uh, try and run off uh, Westhoff a little bit. Uh, McKenzie should probably take Dixon. Um, I'm hoping Wingard is the one which uh, can get off the chain a little bit this week. So I don't think they've got um, an incredibly good sort of shutdown small defender. Mm. Uh, so that might be something which uh, sees us get a little bit of an advantage this week. Yeah, um, I guess there's one of the names that um, has sort of been not a great name for us in the past and we always will be, probably be focusing on as fans is probably Shannon Hearn. Um, mm. He's hanging in there for games. Do you think he's uh, much to worry about this week? Well, he's a captain. He's, um, he's courageous. He's got a massive foot. Um, I think he's probably another one of those players that can sort of be a little bit inconsistent. Um, okay. So I don't know, maybe if we can sit someone on him uh, a little bit Maybe they might be able to get an advantage there as well, but it'd be interesting to see who he plays on, to be honest. But yeah, do you th- I mean, maybe I'm... he's someone that might go on Aaron Young, for example. Oh, yeah, that's a better matchup because I was going to say I don't think he'd be the sort of person to end up on Wingard. I don't think no, he's got the no. the skill set for that. But yeah, but Young would probably be a, mm, a real good matchup for them. Yeah, look, but Wellingham's been... probably one that'll play on Wingard. He did a Wellingham did a massive job on Westhoff uh, last year. Yeah, um, and really shut him out of the game after a big first quarter. So. Um, his defensive skills are a lot better than he gets given credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, look, that's a section by section. I guess we just need to now quickly talk about the game in general as well. Um, as a coach, do you think we should be worried about Adam Simpson? Um, we beat West Coast in Subi in his first year, um, but they weren't here last year. Um, you have to say West Coast are in pretty good form, uh, but they've got pretty gifted players in key positions. Um, and I don't know, how much do you think Adam Simpson has to do with their performance? Uh, I mean, they talk about the Eagles web and all that sort of stuff, so I think he deserves credit for, for coming up with a, a really good defensive game plan, uh, which yeah. saw them make a grand final when they were pretty much without any of their, their star defenders for pretty mm. much the whole of last year. So I think uh, tactically he's, he's very sound. Uh, obviously he did great things at Hawthorne as well as an assistant coach, so um, I think he's uh, probably one to look out for. Yeah, I think that Adam Simpson's... I mean, for me, I've always had... Whenever he was playing, I always had trouble rating him because there were just so many more damaging players in a lot of ways than Adam Simpson. Yeah. But I think the more you understand the game, the more you realise that he actually was really damaging to you as well. Um, it's just that we hated Brent Harvey so much that we just thought, <laughs> Brent Harvey, Brent Harvey, ah, why can't we beat him? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to think of a modern-day sort of equivalent to Simpson. I guess maybe Prittis. We just spoke about him and how he's sort of oh. underrated. A lot of people don't really sort of realise how good he was, but certainly not in game style. I don't think Simpson played the same way as Prittis, but no. um, sort of went under the radar, I guess you'd call his career. I think he made an All-Australian team as well at some point, but yeah, um, he's one that always sort of... And he had a big start to his career. He wasn't one that sort of grew into his career. He was big from a sort of 18, 19-year-old and just sort of played at the same level for pretty much the whole career without any sort of peaks or troughs. Yeah, I guess as players, I probably have Adam Simpson in a similar category, not in performance, but certainly in a similar category to Travis Boak, really. I think they're not dissimilar yeah. in their style of play. Yeah, um, that's, that's fair. Boak probably needs more consistency to really be in that comparison, and he might have yeah. a bit more top end than Simpson, but overall I'd say they're not too not too dissimilar. Yeah, Jordan Lewis is probably another comparison. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. 
All right. I guess next question: Does either side have the psychological advantage? Um, I don't think that's really a question. Uh, West Coast coming off smashing St Kilda. Uh, currently, they're grand, they were grand finalists last year, and they've got a clear dominance in ruck. Do you, can you see anything from a psychological edge we have apart from being away from Perth? No, we we have no psychological advantage this week, really. Yeah, no, I can't. I even of... though. All we can hope for is that uh, West Coast turn into sort of uh, mental midgets again away from home, and, and that's about it. But as you say, coming off the smashing with uh, the obvious advantage they're going to have in the ruck, um, I, th- I think they've got a, a pretty clear sort of mental advantage this week. Yeah, I, I look, I think there is one thing that could give us a very significant psychological advantage and get the crowd riled up and all excited. And that would be if we paid the fine and brought in John Butcher at the last minute. Um, I think that <laughs> I think that'd do it for us. So it'd get everyone inside, everyone'd be extremely excited. West Coast wouldn't know what to do. He'd be firing and he'd kick at least five goals. And I think we could get the win if John Butcher makes a, a late entry to the side. So fingers crossed, that's what happens. Butcher, butcher. Uh, okay, I'd like and, to see that. Yeah, like... Absolutely. Now we've talked briefly about the selections, or rather the the non droppings of the side. Are there any players there that you think? are really, really lucky to be in there. Um, I know that uh, Need and O'Shea got a huge amount of heat last week, um, and uh, there's probably a few others that could certainly be in the gun. Um, I don't know, like, what what do you think is the reason behind not dropping them? Do you think it's just that um, the same reason is when you have a puppy, you hold its nose to what it's done? Or yeah. what do you think it is? Look, Ken's a good man. He's a loyal man. You've got to give him that. And <laughs> I guess, given the performance of the SNFL players last mm. week, um, I mean, there's not really too many obvious ones to come back into the side. I guess you'd be looking at guys like Kane Mitchell and Sam Cahoon who, you know, weren't all that great uh, themselves. So yeah. maybe it's uh, the case of better the devil you know than better the devil you don't in this situation. But look, there's probably four or five guys that can count themselves exceptionally lucky. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see... If the two teams play the same this week, I think we'll probably see a force change anyway. Or we could get someone else back. You never know. Mm. Um, I guess we'll find out. But anyway, look, we have got a couple of questions from the game thread as well, uh, which is on the Big Footy forums. If you have questions before the podcast, you can usually catch it when it's up late in the afternoon and ask them. Um, the first one is from AFL 2004, asking, is it hard to believe the match committee keeps getting selections wrong and no media has picked up on it? Do you think it's hard to believe? Well, I guess you've got to come to the conclusion that it's the selections which are causing our issues at the moment, which I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure it's the selections which are the problem or more the form of the players. Um, And I guess the issue you have is if you keep making sort of four or five changes every week, then that just sort of ruins the the consistency of the side as well. So it's, it's one of those sort of tricky situations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, I absolutely agree. I, I think, and also... People, sorry, the media are unlikely to criticise match selections unless they have a better idea of what to do. And I kind of feel like with Port Adelaide right now that no media personality is really willing to touch that and say, oh, no, bring them in, they're a gun. I don't think, yeah. I don't think anyone's willing to make that call right now because they're all just thinking, well, what is going on? Or they've got us in their ignore box again because they just don't care. So, Well, look, I've, I've, been, I've been really against sort of bringing up our injury issues and, and the players we've had out of the side because I don't think it's an excuse for the way no. that we've played and I don't want to use it as an excuse but look we, we have had a lot of very good players out of the side and when that happens you lose the consistency and you lose the depth of those players coming 
um, from behind. So guys that might have uh, otherwise struggled with a full side um, to get a spot in the team, like Stewart and Amon and maybe Impey and Cracker and these sorts of players, uh, they're now sort of playing um, with no one else sort of pushing them to perform better uh, coming from the reserves. So, you know, that, that's a, it's a bit of a, a tricky situation. Yeah, we've got a couple of comments uh, on the speaker chat, which you can also join and sort of chip in during the uh, recording. Um, Paul Valetis has said the cupboard is bare. JBC has said that the form across the board is at its lowest ebb since the Primus era. And I, I think we'd mm. have to agree with that, really. It's hard to, oh, hard to yeah. deny that. And uh, JBC again said the SNFL side was garbage last week. So, um, yeah, have to agree with that one too. Um, oh, long, long live for the days of 2014 where everyone was performing in the AFL side and guys like... Uh, Andrew Moore and Ben Newton couldn't get a look in despite getting 40 touches every week in the SNFL. Yeah, look, it's one of those things where when the side's high, then all the people say, oh, you said we're not good, you know, what are you doing cheering now? It's like, nah, mm. you got to cheer now. I felt the same way in 2007 because I remember during 2007, a lot of times I was saying, this doesn't make sense. This isn't a structure. How are we winning all these games? But if you don't enjoy it, then then you're just setting yourself up for a lifetime of misery. So why do that? <laughs> so yeah. if we win this weekend, I'll be cheering my head off, even though I know it's meaningless in the context of the season. Um, oh, absolutely. But I'm all go. about taking uh, every game as it comes and enjoying yeah. the little moments. And absolutely. when you enjoy the little ones, then the big ones will take care of, uh, take care of themselves a bit. Yeah, and look, I mean, my favourite little ones are definitely when a new player comes in, it looks like they're going to be a real player as well. So yep. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if Logan Austin came in this week and played okay. That would be quite good. That would yep. get, get a smile on my face, I think. It would, absolutely. Yep. Mm. Uh, one more question from Mr. Speaker. Um, it's a very important one. Is the old lady filter on Snapchat the best one yet? Um, look, I like it. I have to say, personally, my favourite Snapchat filter is the cat lady with the green face, so the stuff on her face. Um, I think it's probably the most humorous one, especially all the little cats that come up when you raise your eyebrows. It makes it always a always a good picture. You can't take a bad picture with that one. Um, Mackadie, you Snapchat at all? Look, I'm probably the the person in Australia that hasn't uh, used Snapchat before, so uh, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Look, that's okay because I prepared an answer for you. Uh, I, <laughs> I kind of figured that going by personality, what we know about Macca, I think Macca's probably a Stetson moustache and two guns firing wildly guy. I reckon that'd be your filter. So. Get on Snapchat, check it out, and you'll see that I'm right. Yeah, it sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we move on to this week's controversial topic, which, of course, is Fringe Force Fight, where we talk about one of five players uh, throughout the season. Um, No one, I think, has reached the point where they're graduating, but I think by the time we get around to Aaron Young again, we might say, yeah, he's not fringe anymore and substitute someone else in. Um, This week, we're talking about Cameron O'Shea, who uh, last week... Right right now for Cam, this is a really rough time to be getting this little review from us, but uh, here we go. Um, He was picked 52 in the 2010 National Draft. He's 24 years old, which puts him in the same age block as Sam Gray and Jared Pollack. It's really easy to forget that he is still relatively young, although at 24, you know, football years, that's not so young anymore. Um, There were 11 players in the 22 younger than him at the time, and it might be actually more now, I think, with the outs we've had. Uh, Maka, what do you think of Cam O'Shea? Do you think... I think that it just ties into what we were just talking about, about how we don't have better players to replace anyone right now. How's the timing? The timing of this is delicious. <laughs> I mean, it, the perfect player to speak of this week. I mean, Cam O'Shea, after possibly the worst individual performance of all time, of all time, he yeah. still gets a game this week. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, how does that happen? 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm really desperate to defend his game, but it was just not great. But, I mean, I think we know that, you know, he's our fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth choice halfback flanker. Um, and we're using them all right now, you know, because we're yeah. not having so many tools on the side, we are having to stretch our flanker stocks, and that means Cam's in, so... Look, I talk about uh, Logan Austin playing, yeah. uh, or getting his debut, Cam O'Shea for Logan Austin. I mean, it's just obvious. It's, it's obvious. It, it should have happened. Yeah, yeah. I hate to say that, but yeah. Or, or, or Cam O'Shea for Dougal Howard, or Cam O'Shea for... I don't Anyone. Know. At this point, <laughs> most players, anyway. yeah. Look, and it's tough on Cam, but we know what yep. Cam's like. We know he's this sort of deer in headlights player on occasion, and it takes him a long time to sort of work into seasons. But you know, last week's performance should not have been rewarded with another game this week. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think it's a mistake. Um, I think it gives the wrong sort of impression, despite the fact that there hasn't really been great players coming through from the reserves. But yeah, look, Cam O'Shea for Logan Austin. Or even Tom Cleary just should have happened this week. Yeah, Tom Cleary, that's a good point, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, he definitely could have come in. Uh, well, look, I mean, I guess, look, I've just sort of put together a little summary of O'Shea in the side right now and just sort of coping with the adversity of what he's going through right now in terms of just getting games and not really quite being deserving of them and copying a lot of crap from the crowd. Um, I think, really, he doesn't get a lot of support from the team. Um, that's why he has him looking exposed. Um, like, sometimes it's just like he's dancing on his own, you know, making up the moves as he goes. And, really, I think what people don't know is, like, he keeps cruising. He can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like he's got this music in his mind saying it's going to be all right. Uh, so, in conclusion, player's going to play, 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 play. Hater's going to hate, 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 hate. He's just going to shake, 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 shake. Oh, shake it off. Oh, shake it off. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> Brilliant. That is <laughs> the best thing that's ever happened on this podcast, ever. <laughs> we will never match this moment again. <laughs> Until I think of another song pun for a player. <laughs> Just oh, wait dear. for uh, Red Red Wines when we play Essendon next. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good old UB40. All right. Um, Look, we'll move on to the SNFL game now, I think, at this point. Uh, Magpies game uh, against South Adelaide at Albany Oval. It's uh, 2.10pm on Sunday. Um, Archie, obviously, back in the side. Uh, Bonner and Tumpus are listed as ins, uh, with Davidson as the out. Um, Mac, are you happy with the changes? I will be when Austin gets promoted to the AFL team and Cam O'Shea gets dropped. So, yes, I will be happy when that happens. But... Um, happy with the changes. I mean, it's good to see Tumpus back in the side. Archie deserved to get uh, dropped, I think. And great to see Bonner. It's a pity I didn't get to see him last week. Yeah. Because uh, I won't be able to go this week. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah, look, Davidson didn't really do much last week. Um, so, yeah, you, you would think um, probably Tom Gray would drop out of that side as well and maybe uh, Nathan Rudloff as well. Yeah. Um, do you think we've got much of a chance of winning? Do you think last week might have been... Because obviously everyone's talking about how terrible the side was and like there were not really any particular highlights. Do you think Do you think we're reaching the point where the SNFL team is copping enough that they might sort of gel and lift all their game altogether? Or do you think they're just sort of still in that slump and they will be for a while? Well, that's three good players coming back in. We know Archie is a star at SNFL level. Same with Tumpus. He'll get a lot mm. of the ball. Um, and look, Bonner's going to provide a lot of class down back. So, 
uh, I think the inclusions this week is, uh, has improved our side tenfold. So uh, it will be interesting to see how we go. I'm just not sure we've got the forward line that's going to kick a lot of goals. Um, Butch is trying really hard. Reynolds has sort of um, fallen in a little bit of a, a down patch after a really good start. Uh, Dan Houston, I'm really keen on, but um, yeah, I'm just not sure it's a forward line which is going to kick a lot of goals. Yeah, um, I guess Bonner coming into the side has probably got a different attitude to most other players in it, in that he's still fresh, still brand new. Um, I suppose him and Snelling. Um, but I think that we just talked about how Camoche is currently our fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth ranked halfback flanker. And I think mm. Riley Bonner, if he doesn't look at that as a great opportunity for him to get in this side right now, um, look, I think if he has a good game, he might be in the next. So uh, yeah. he's got a lot to play for this weekend, yeah, that's for sure. sure. Absolutely. You look yeah. at that midfield, Dougal Howard in the ruck, uh, a midfield of Steve Summerton, Sam Gray, Jimmy Tumpus, Brendan Archie, Lewis Sharrod. I mean, yep. that's as good as it gets. Kane Mitchell in there as well. You know, our midfield's been really disappointing at SANFL level this year. You know, we've really struggled to win clearances and get the ball forward. So if that midfield... Yep. It doesn't dominate this weekend, then there's really something wrong. Yeah, I mean Sam Gray and uh, Brendan Archie, like they they should be creaming the SNFL. You know, we know they can play pretty well at AFL level when they are in form, but at SNFL yep. level, they should they should be a clear step ahead of what they're doing at that level. So yeah, I, I guess we'll find out. Uh, and Butcher should really God, he's got to return to form. He's got to not drop his bundle. He's got to hang in there. Who knows? You know, he might. He just he needs might. some support. It's easy yeah. for for him to get shut out of games at the moment. With Frampton out, out of the side, Howard yep. having to ruck, he really doesn't have any tall support up forward at the moment. So, yeah, it's very unfortunate for him. Yeah, I guess if we do get on top in midfield, that will obviously give him a bit more opportunity. Um, just have to yeah. make sure. Hopefully, the delivery is okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I think you're right in that. There's looks like there's enough. There's enough talent uh, in front of the ball at this point that they should be doing pretty well. And let's face it, there's a lot of talent in that back line as well. You know, Carlisle's oh. in there, Bonner's coming in, uh, Tom Cleary, uh, and of course Logan Freeman's Austin, who we just talking player. about. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's, be... a, it's a team we should be doing a lot better. And look, with players coming back um, from uh, from injury and that sort of thing, then hopefully we do start performing uh, sometime soon because look, we should still be making the finals with that sort of side. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I guess we'll see how it goes. Mm. Uh, all right. So, look, we'll just move on to the final wrap, I guess. Um, for the Port versus West Coast game, who's your winning side and your margin? And who's the highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide? Uh, I'm going to say West Coast by 71 points and <laughs> uh, Justin West off to kick two goals. Look, normally I'd be pretty excited when you pick West Coast or the opposition, um, but I'm kind of on that boat as well. And just to show how much I'm on that boat, I'm going to say West Coast by 110 points. Uh, and th- and then hopefully we're both horribly, horribly wrong. Oh. Uh, oh, imagine I- if that happened. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I think our top goal kicker, I think it's going to be Westhoff. I think it's going to be Justin Westhoff with at least three, I would say. Although really, with Robbie Gary coming back, he's going to fix everything, so he might get three as well. Who knows? Mm. Mm. All right. Never know. Never know. Um, next one, the immediate for both sides. That's the player that is never expected, but suddenly they're there for good or bad. Who's your immediate for Port? I'm going to pick Carl Amon this week to stick it up the data. He's, he's going to have five-plus tackles, and he's going to knock someone out. <laughs> I'm serious. He's going to lay a massive bump and knock someone out, I reckon. Uh, I don't He'll think get suspended likely. for three or four weeks, unfortunately. But Has he bumped anyone uh, in his career? Probably not. No. Why not well, start now? 
I would think if anyone's going to bump someone and get suspended, it'll be probably Charlie Dixon, maybe Hamish Hartlett. That's your usual mm. suspects, I would have thought. But True. Uh, True. Yeah, look, I think mine was probably going to be, um, oh gosh, I'm going to say Brett Ebert because he's had really bad disposal efficiency all year, which he's had because we keep saying Kenny C. Um, I kind of feel like he's probably going to be a little more motivated than everyone else, particularly given the form he's been in. And I think he has a pretty high standard for his performance, personally. But I think he's due for that turnaround game, and I think this might be the week he does it. Um, Why not? Yeah, yeah. look, and on a serious note as well, I think Cam O'Shea is actually going to play pretty well this week. He's going to back up his bad game this week, or last week, sorry, and... um, and play pretty good this week. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the matchup for Darling at times, but I guess your natural matchup for Darling might be someone like Tom Jonas. I, I yeah. don't know. Um, for West Coast, who's your immediate? As I said earlier, it's hard to find a weak link, a weak link in their side mm. um, at the moment. They've got a very solid first team, which on paper doesn't really have any real sort of glaring nominations for this this week. Um, so I'm going to go with Scott Lysett, who we know is a, an ex-Port Magpie. Uh, we mm. tried to get him back. We chased him hard a couple of years ago. He chose to stay over there. So this week, I think um, he's going to tear us apart for that reason. Um, yeah. This is his first game against Port Adelaide um, in the AFL. So I'm going to pick him to have 15 touches, uh, six marks, a couple of goals, and uh, and 20 hitouts. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't. I can see that happening. I, I guess for me, when I'm not really too sure about who it will be, I pick the player that I think will infuriate the most people if it happens. And for me, that's probably Chris Maston. Um, he's he's the sort of player that just when he does well against you, you just think, oh, we're doing really terribly. And I think he's probably going to get 20 disposals and maybe kick a couple of goals as well. Yeah. Um, he's the sort of guy that we will probably not have high in our list of matchups. And those are the guys that are probably going to be in this category of player. So Chris Maston, I'm going with, I think. Okay, that's fair. Mm. And uh, moving on to the bet the house, who do you think? What are you oh. going to tip? What's what's your what's your tip that is a little bit of risk, but you're pretty confident it'll happen? Uh, similar to a couple of weeks back, I'm going to go with the ruck jewel again. I think I got it right with uh, Steph Martin, yeah, uh, getting yeah. his um, his highest career total um, hitouts. Uh, so I'm going to pick two records that are going to be made this weekend, two AFL records. Uh, Nick Nat will have his highest ever hit-out total, which currently sits at 50, okay. which is what uh, Steph Martin's was uh, two weeks ago as well. So <laughs> I think that's definitely a fair chance of being broken. And I think we're also going to see the biggest hit-out differential in AFL history um, this week, which currently sits at 66, uh, which was when Todd, uh, Todd Goldstein last year had 80 hit-outs against Rory Lobb. Jesus Christ, um, really? <laughs> yep. So I think they're I think they're both big chances to go this week. Oh yeah. Oh. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, I'm going to have as my bet the house that Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling will kick more goals between them than Port Adelaide does. Okay. Yeah. Well, look if they're if they're going to win by 110 points, then I'd say it's that's pretty a likely, pretty I suppose. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how many how many goals do you think that'll be? I reckon it'll be 10, 11. 10 between them? Yeah, okay. yeah. I reckon I don't reckon we'll score all that well if we're not leaning in the midfield and if certainly if Nick Nat has that kind of hit out differential it's hard to see how we'll get on the board all that much. Yeah. Mm. Yep, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, have you got anything else you want to talk about? 
Oh, uh, just uh, just once again on the competition, which was drawn mm. uh, on Monday. I, th- I hope uh, Dr. Phil um, has a great time at the game. A, a yeah. massive thank you to Rick and New Vision for uh, for supplying the tickets uh, for that. Um, putting his own money uh, into this podcast is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I hope uh, Dr. Phil has a wonderful time at the game and uh, enjoys the the food and the drinks and uh, and the atmosphere behind the goals. And the huge win we're going to have because we're both tipped against Port Adelaide. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Robbie's grade's going to fix everything. We'll be good. Yep. We'll be fine. Okay. I think we're done for the night. So thank you everyone for listening in live and anyone that's listening on the podcast, thank you for that as well. And certainly everyone that did a review in the last few weeks, um, getting us to the top of the amateur sports podcasting on iTunes. That's really nice. Um, no one's called and given, given us an offer yet, I don't think. But then again, Rick's overseas, so he might not have checked his emails yet. But, you know, we, we might have, uh, I don't know, 3AW calling. Um, I don't know, Austereo. Who knows? Could happen. Could it happen. could happen. It's pretty unlikely, though, I suppose. But there we it's, go. It's highly unlikely, but uh, you never say never, do you? <laughs> All right. Well, I guess on that note, go Ports. Can't appear. Can't Port Adelaide. Shake, Shake it, it off. off. Shake it off. <laughs> Play, 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 play in my head